Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest of And welcome back to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you to this episode where tonight we're going to be talking about the Goldie Keith film pick of the week, Incident in a Ghostland, from 2018 and directed by Pascal Lavier. Uh, so it's not quite the samurai fighting Ghostland that we had last week. It's a different kind uh, with a fat man, a woman, and a candy truck, which is also an ice cream truck, if you look at it in a certain way. But without further ado, making his return with his pick is the bold and the beautiful, the Goldie Keith. Are you real? Are you back, King? Are yeah. you back? Yeah. Hello. You guys flatten me a little bit. What is, what is going on tonight? Oh, don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> That's all right. I'll be turned on too. My nipples can only get so hard. You slapping me back in reality. Ooh. Stay with me, King. Stay with me. <laughs> no, but I want to go back to my writing career with my beautiful son and husband. Yeah, I know. <laughs> don't we all? Don't we all? <laughs> but welcome back to the show. We're not going to be joined by the Dean tonight because he's doing Dean things in a Dean place at a Dean time. Don't know where he is, but we're going to have to sell it. In the that, Dean hole. Nonetheless, in the <laughs> Dean hole, the alternate Dean hole universe, yeah, where he does Dean things like uh, eat baguettes and drink wine and IPAs. But without further ado, we're also joined by the Scott Cobb, Simeon, the Mad Monkey, the Prince of Amores Day. Yes, get funky with the monkey. Yes, keeping it funky, keeping it fresh. This is the Mad Monkey broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic, where we, the Talking Terror crew, the Three Horsemen of Terror, bring <laughs> you the best horror podcast there is in all the land. So make sure you listen for the next two hours. We will be coming in your ears with horror news, nerd news, trailer reviews, and all the good shit that makes Talking Terror, the baddest podcast there is in all of the land. So make sure you listen on Spotify. Make sure you listen on iTunes. Make sure you listen on Blog Talk. Hell, listen live. Listen with your mama. It really don't matter. Because like a bad case of gonorrhea, we are everywhere, baby. What's up, for family? Sexual chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, as always, bringing that cocaine-fueled intro and while you were doing that, I took time and said Candy Dean into the mirror five times, and all that showed up was an empty bottle of an IPA and him telling me to go fuck myself. So I don't think he's showing up tonight. I tried. No. I said Candy Dean. This didn't work. Candy Dean, no. Just, it doesn't work. Try it. No. But, so we're, we're definitely going to have to try to, to sally forth without him. I mean, I got plenty of horror news. Don't get me wrong. There's plenty to carry us into uh, until we get to incident in the ghost land. But some things I wanted to – talk about as we kick off the episode uh first i managed to go last weekend to go see last night in soho the new edgar wright film man what a movie uh to say anything about it would be to spoil it other than that i can only say it's worth seeing uh definitely a big screen type of movie for a lot of sequences especially the 60 sequences that uh, edgar definitely worked hard on recreating to make it seem as seamless as possible 
but this is also a movie where do not expect there to be any humor, unlike what uh, Wright has put in all his movies previously. This is his bleakest. It's his darkest. It's his most mean, uh, if you want to say. Uh, but Matt Smith and Mackenzie, uh, Tom, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie and Andy Taylor-Joy are amazing. So if you get a chance to see it in theaters, please do. Otherwise, even if you just get to watch it at home, check it out. It's, it's a fun movie. Great ride. So there was not one thing that disappointed you about this movie? It was really that good? Or, you know, if you want to nitpick, was there something that you would have changed just a little bit? Uh, I, I wanted to not like something about it because I, I usually try to find something where I'm like, you know what, they could have improved on it. Um, you know, I, I think, if anything, if you're going into this movie thinking it's going to be a straight giallo film, I think you're going to be a little bit disappointed because uh, there, there are definitely touches to Argento and Mario Bava uh, and Lamberto Bava in this movie, but it's not really the center point. Uh, it's more about the 60s counterculture in London and how – it's a little bit more seedy than a lot of people want to remember it as. It's not just all go-go boots and miniskirts. You know, there was actually a lot of, of stuff going on behind the scenes that was kind of wrong and uh, unpleasant for young women. So it's just it, it's all handled very well, and the soundtrack is perfection. Like if you're a fan of, of 60s pop and 60s rock, you're not going to be disappointed. Uh, and yes, that that infamous uh, Last Night in Soho song by Dave D, Beaky Dozy, Mick and Tish that Quentin Tarantino said you have to name your movie after that song. Oh, it's in there. And it's used very well. <laughs> that is awesome, man. I'm glad, I'm glad you had a great time watching it, man. Uh, sorry, I, I, I went in with trepidation, thinking that I might not enjoy it. I went in thinking, oh, no, you know, maybe this is going to be something that I don't like. I'm really nervous. But, no, I, I stood up. I clapped. Unlike anybody else, uh, you know. A couple people did, not everybody, but a couple people clapped. And, but it was just, it was a fun uh, experience. And to see Matt Smith in the role that he played, is, is I think you guys are going to like it, especially if you like Matt Smith, you know, him playing a more villainous character, uh, you know, sleazeball, I guess would be the right way to describe him. You know, he's just really, he's a slimy piece of shit. And I liked it. I was like, you know, I could use more, you know, bad <laughs> Matt Smith movies where he's not always playing like the good guy or the hero, you know. I'm looking forward to seeing it. Definitely looking forward mm-hmm. to seeing it. I just uh, I have not had the time to, to hit anything at all. You know, I still have to see Eternals. I still have to see. Uh, I never even went to see the Bond movie that day. You know, I ended up uh, canceling no. the ticket with like five minutes to spare. So you know, was, uh, I have got to get in at least two films per month, or else it's, it's a waste to have have the A list. But uh, I'll, I'll get there. I'll definitely get there. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I know you will. I mean, just take time, you know, work schedules and things like that. I just happened to have time, you know, uh, the other day on the weekend to go see it. So I did. I knew I was going to go see it. Uh, next movie, I think, uh, in theaters I'm going to go see is Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, and also against type uh, House of Gucci because there is somebody that uh, I know very well that wants to go see it. Uh, so I think House of Gucci might be another one actually for Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, just because it kind of looks fun, actually. I'm actually kind of interested to see how that plays out. High fashion in the cinema. Mm-hmm. Something that the king isn't used to. But might have to break out the suit and tie and the fedora for that one. Oh, yeah. yeah. It looks like an impressive performance from Gaga. You know, so mm-hmm. it looks like yeah. it's, it's going to be one of those where she takes it a little bit ham, and it needs to be that way. You know, it needs to be outlandish. It needs to be kind of like, uh, you know, it needs to be ballsy. Uh, and, yeah, I'm, I actually, as crazy as it sounds, I'm really looking forward to seeing that one. 
Yeah, the more I see it, the more. I mean, I liked her in uh, A Star is Born. So I can't say she can't act, because I think she can. Mm-hmm. I thought that she did really well in that movie, opposite uh, Bradley Cooper. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's what I'm going to be seeing next, both of those two movies. Um, but also, uh, if you guys aren't caught up on Chucky, it is currently on episode five. Episode five aired last night. That show is just fucking fun. So if you guys at home are watching it, I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am, because it's five episodes in, and I don't want it to end. Like I just, I'm having too much fun watching Chucky be a dick. And watch these kids try to figure out how to get rid of him. Um, it's one of those situations where you feel like they're doing such a great job with this original cast that they don't need to bring in the legacy characters, but the legacy characters are showing up. So last night we got a taste. Next week we're going to get a taste. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, uh, but they are starting to come in, and we're going to see how they play out in this story. But uh, Brad Dorff just dropping F-bombs and just having a great time as Chucky. Uh, it's, it's just so much fun. So. Whether you binge it, whether you watch it episodically like I do, check it out if you're a fan of Child's Play or Chucky. Yeah, we got to catch up on that one, man. We uh, we finally finished our uh, our reviewing of the uh, the whole Sopranos series, um, mm-hmm. like we had talked about on the chat, you know. And and, and you know, it's yeah. funny, man. It's been I don't know what 14, 14 or so years since that series ended. Man, you know, At it, least, and this yeah. is the first time watching it through, and it is still just as phenomenal, if not more so, than it was the first time around. You know, what what a fun series that was. You know, what a, what a great set of characters. Uh, you know, in the end, you realize that they're all kind of, they're all scumbags, so you kind of have <laughs> to, to just take that for what it is and uh, and enjoy the shit out of it, man. It's uh, it's great. They're all despicable. But uh, yeah, no, I got so we got so much shit to catch up on, man. We got to catch up on Evil, The Walking Dead, freaking mm. yeah. There's like there's like a thousand and one things. I still have to finish season two with freaking the, uh, you know, the boys. I get to that too. Eventually. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> eventually, <laughs> you'll get to that. Um, but uh, the one thing that you did catch that I also caught, and this is another character that's returning after an absence of ten years, is Dexter Morgan, with Showtime's Dexter New Blood. Uh, the first episode premiered last Sunday on Showtime. Uh, I got a chance to check it out on Monday. I wanted to get your thoughts about it before I give my own ghoul because I know you watched it. And I know you're also a Dexter fan like myself. So what did you think of it? Uh, you know, it was a solid but safe opening episode. Um, it definitely mm-hmm. feels like it, it, it feels like the show. You know, it's one of those weird ones where it's like you want, like watching the episode, it kind of made me forget that they even took as long as a break as they have with that series yeah. because it kind of just, you know, I know there's a time difference, but, you know, we've seen that with other shows. Like The Walking Dead does its six-year, you know, time jump and shit like that, and that's kind of what this episode felt like. Like, it, it felt like they just did, you know, just a, a, an in-between season time jump, and, and here we are, you know, Dexter Morgan once once again. Uh, I'm liking it. You know, I like the setting. Uh, I, I enjoyed what we got with the episode, um, and I am very interested in seeing where they're going to take this and, and how they're going to go about things. Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it was just kind of stepping back in with Dexter, like no time had passed. You know, he now is under an assumed name, uh, Jim Lindsay, living in Iron Lake, New York, where it's nice and snowy, uh, living the life that I would want to live if I was him. You know, just by yourself in a cabin, you got some goats, you got some things to take care of, you work at a tackle shop, 
you know, living a very simple life that Dexter would always want to have. But, you know, not thinking about the demons of the past anymore. Well, there's one, but I'm not going to spoil it for anybody that uh, hasn't seen it yet. But I can't wait to see what they're going to do. I can't wait to see Clancy Brown show up and see how he's going to play out in this season. Because that first episode mm-hmm. really got me grounded back into seeing what he's going to do. Yeah, I, uh, you know, like, I, again, I'm, I, I, I want to, like, you know, I want to say this, I want to say that, I want to say this, but <laughs> I, I don't want to yeah, spoil anything. Yeah. You know, the episode's only, it's only been out for like three or four days now, so if you yeah. are a fan of Dexter, or, you know, if you ever had any kind of, like, interest in that show, and you feel like revisiting that world again, give this a shot. You know, you, you, you're probably not going to be disappointed if you, if you ever did like the show. Yeah, I don't think there was a moment in the episode where I was disappointed, where I was like, oh, that's, you know, that's not something that uh, Dexter would do, or this isn't something that I want to see. It's just, it was kind of setting the groundwork. You know, it's, it's setting the pace for what we can expect for the rest of the nine episodes that we have. Uh, but, yeah, if you, if you were a fan and you haven't seen it yet or you just kind of wanted to be curious about it, then definitely check it out. Uh, the next episode is this Sunday. It's episodic television. You can't binge, unfortunately, but... So it's getting back into that whole episodic thing, like I'm doing with Chucky, now I'm doing with Dexter. So right back to where I started. <clears throat> you know, I don't like to be doing episodic, but, you know, it's worth it. Get you excited, you know, for the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, I'm, I'm kind of used to the episodic <laughs> thing anyway between the uh, the Disney Plus stuff and – yeah, like like I said, I've actually kind of found that to be somewhat more enjoyable than all the binge watching mm-hmm. of shows because it gives you time to digest the to digest what you've watched. It gives you time to go and yeah. talk to people about what you've watched. You know, it's not like, oh hey, did you check out all nine episodes of fucking The Witcher this weekend? And somebody's like, nah, you know, I only had time to watch like four. And I'm like, but I'm on fucking episode eight, motherfucker, and I want to talk about all of it. Now, but I can't because you're only four episodes in, and I'm eight episodes in, bitch. Um, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I kind of have really, like I found myself like kind of falling right back into watching television like normal again. Um, I'm sure there'll be series coming out like The Witcher and and Cobra Kai Stranger and shit like that where I'm gonna be. I'll be at Stranger Things. Well, maybe not so much at Stranger Things. That I might take my time with. Um, it's just because, you know, yeah. it's like 18 years between every fucking season of Stranger Things. So I might as well take my time watching it this time around. Um, well, they're in the 30s now. You know, now. Cobra Kai, I'll, I'll binge in a fucking day. And probably oh, not yeah. even that because, you know yeah. what, I got, I got so many freaking things coming up. Like, I keep thinking, like, I have all this time. And you know what, like, unlike other seasons, I have, like, all this shit going on during the holidays this year where we're going to be traveling and going out of state and taking airplanes places and shit like that. It's going to be... Uh, a lot of shit, so I'll have to try to find my yeah. way to to watch this shit in the interim while also fucking doing these things that we're supposed to be doing. But yeah, yeah not man, getting I agree out. with you. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, the whole... I I like the idea that we've gotten back to watching stuff episodically and letting it marinate and, you know, we talking about it amongst ourselves as friends and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, nitpicking the little episodes and, you know, finding what we can here and there. It makes for better conversation, you know, <laughs> except for, like you said, you know, me with my anime, you know, <laughs> but then also um, Cobra Kai where, yeah, I'm going to sit there and down that, like, you know, <laughs> so so fast, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually break that up, you know, in half. 
you know, uh, those uh, the the binge worthy stuff, like you said, like Cobra Kai. I'll do like half. I'll do like four episodes. I'll take a break, then I'll go back for another four a couple of days later. You know, just to let it digest. You know, but then again, like the Google said, you know, I'll be on episode four, and everybody else will be on episode ten. I'm like, ah, fuck, I gotta catch up because <laughs> I have no idea what they're talking about. You know, so I got to go run back home and watch it. So it has its, its pluses and minuses, uh, you know, episodically versus binge worthy. Um, I think both have their, like I said, positives and negatives. But uh, did you have anything you wanted to talk about, uh, Monkey, before I get into some of the things I wanted to talk about for our news? Uh, I got a couple things. Um, just okay. because, uh, Gould, did you get a chance to uh, catch the trailer for Boba Fett? Yes. Yes, I did. All right, Matt. Like okay, to... so now we're going to sit there and talk about it, King. <laughs> because, again, I just um, – I also uh, – um, No, dude, we were not going to go super deep and burn up 30 minutes of the show. I'm just saying, you know, yes, the trailer of Book Boba Fett is out. Um, I also found out Robert Rodriguez is going to be directing most of these, along with directing about half of the episodes of The, the Mandalorian Season 2. And dude, I'm just digging it, man. I'm liking what season I'm seeing. You know. Oh, sorry, season three. You are correct. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just uh, again, you know, trailer looked tight. It looked fun, you know. And I I liked how once again because of these little shows, Lucasfilms and, and Disney and Star Wars and all that are willing to step further and further away from the Jedi bubble and more and more into the actual world of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, again, I mean, I think what, we, what we've what we seen, obviously throughout the theatrical, was the, the, whole, the whole Skywalker saga. You know, we, we've seen our fill of Jedi and what they can do. And don't get me wrong, there are going to be a lot of cool things that can be done with the Jedi. It's just not going to take place within this timeline that we know and are familiar with, and that's what's risky. Um, so they're, they're playing it safe, I think, by exploring these worlds and this, this underbelly and this underworld and these characters that, that we're familiar with, but that we've never gotten to see very deeply. Um, now, that yeah. is a... Rocky Road, you know what I mean? And I don't mean it like sloth. I mean it like as in it can really kind of backfire on them if it turns out to be a bit of a slag, you know? Like, I hope that this is, you know, like not for nothing, but considering I just watched the series, I hope the Book of Boba Fett is like the fucking Soprano-style version of Bounty Hunter fucking world, you know? Like, I want to see some straight-up gangster-level shit going down on Tatooine, you know? Um, I have so, that exact so, same so, note yeah. in my notes here. <laughs> like, like that's, that's, that's exactly how it's got to go. Um, but, yes, eventually they do need to get us back to, to the Jedi world. And I'm not talking about, you know, let's do prequels and let's do an Obi-Wan thing and let's do this, let's do that. No, it's you guys own the Star Wars fucking franchise. I know you guys are doing it with the books. It's time to now figure out what you're going to do with the films as far as taking them to a galaxy even further away from the one that we're familiar with. Yeah, that would be cool, man. If, you know, you know, but you know, like like you said, you know, that's a big step out of the bubble, you know. But I'm cool with it, you know, of trying to establish a whole new, you know, universe in the Star Wars universe. I'm perfectly fine with it, you know. It's just, you know, is Disney comfortable with it? You know, are we going to see it? You know, 
but yeah, you know, if but theatrically wise, you know, yeah, I I think you definitely stick with you know, the Star Wars stuff, go way past the Empire and all that kind of stuff and give us something brand new. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have to, man, because I, I mean, they listen. Don't get me wrong; they're not gonna. I mean, they're gonna win no matter what. They're gonna make money, but they're never gonna get everybody happy, you know. So even if they do make this, you know, there's gonna be plenty of people that are gonna be like, "Oh man, I want to see more Luke Skywalker. I want to know more about the Emperor. I want to know this. I want to know that." And then when they give them that, they go, "Oh man, this is the same boring shit again and again. Why don't you do something too?" Um, you know, so so they're kind of like in a win-win, lose-lose scenario when it comes to this kind of stuff. <laughs> But, you know, I don't know. I, I like when they explore shit. You know, like I said, I'm, I'm a fan of The Last Jedi because of – just because it, it tried to do something different. It tried to show us uh, a, a bit more of the universe within the overarching story. I just wish they didn't do so much of that damn gambling planet shit. Like, if you know, if you eliminate that entire thing, that movie really is not as bad as everybody likes to make it out to be. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see, man, when it comes out, you know, in December. Yeah. Because Sabah. crap. Yeah, December twenty ninth is when it comes out on Disney Plus. Alright. And then uh if you haven't checked it out, feel free to check out the Talking Terror page because the King dropped off the uh trailer for a cute little show that looks like it's coming up called Elves available on Netflix. It looks like a cute, cute little uh, Christmas kind of story. Just, again, go to the Talking Terror page and check out the trailer and see what it's like. Because, yeah, I thought it looked cool as shit. And uh, I'm just going to sit here and jump on here. And, King, I want to bring you in here because I don't, I don't, you're, I think you're going to be too modest to do this. Is, again, check out the Talking Terror page where the short film are you ready? Based on the short story by our very own King of Horror is now available. It's there. And I just want to say, brother, I'm really, really proud of you. It was a nice, very heartfelt short film. I, I, I enjoyed watching it. And yeah, just seriously check it out there. And now King piggyback. It's there's something you'd like to say about this short film based on your work. Dude, your movie was awesome, bro. Yeah. <laughs> well, that I, I, I do appreciate. I'm, I'm really glad uh, that Ghoul, you enjoyed it, and Monkey, you enjoyed it. Uh, yeah, it's not so much about modesty. I, I think the only two people that didn't like it so far are my parents, which is oddly enough. Um, they had some gripes about it. But uh, yeah, overall, it's, just, it, it's not – I think it's because it's not horror. I think that's why they were confused because, I, you know, I, I did something that was more in the realm of uh, something uh, – I guess a love story, if you will. It's a short, only seven minutes and 29 seconds. But it's, a, you know, about loss and, and what happens when you lose somebody that's close to you and, you know, and, and what happens if you're given a chance to see them again, you know, when, uh, you know, you're at that age, you know, where things start failing, like your mind and uh, things like that. So I was glad what Jeffrey Scott did with it. Uh, he definitely took what I wrote and then just made it a lot more heartwarming and a lot more uh, sweet. Uh, so, yeah, it's up there on the uh, Talking Terror page. If you guys want to check it out, I'm glad that you guys enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, man. And that's thank all you for I making it. For my... <laughs> yeah, and 
and that's all I have for horror news. If you want to sit there and get back to the newsreels. <laughs> well, let's, I, ha, I have a lot, so I'm just going to kind of cherry pick uh, some of the more interesting ones, uh, especially because just as you guys were talking about Boba Fett, and I kind of zoned out because I was just looking at stuff on the Internet, I uh, found out that apparently the – uh, there apparently a, a Roadhouse remake is going to be coming from Doug Lyman, who directed uh, no! and Go and Jumper, and it's going to have Jake Gyllenhaal in the role of Patrick Swayze's character. So just no let that sink in for a little bit. Yeah. Roadhouse. Uh, <laughs> inter- I mean, interesting. Why not do it? You know. But hey, listen. I just I thought that was a fun little thing that I saw. I was like, all right, Jake Gyllenhaal. I don't mind him, but I don't think anybody could put on the boots that uh, Patrick Swayze could. So we'll see what happens because it, okay, it's not the first on, time this on, movie is supposed on. to be rebooted. It was supposed to be rebooted a couple no. of years ago by Nick Cassavetes and uh, Ronda Rousey was going to star in the Patrick Swayze role. So they were going to do a gender swap, but that movie never came out. So try again. Which, which I'm sure would have been terrible because, you know, uh, Ronda Rousey's acting ability is fairly, you know, and Jake Gyllenhaal, okay, oh, listen, he's, a, he's a solid actor. He is. He's a solid, solid actor. Mm-hmm. He yeah. does I will, I, not I like come him. off as tough in any way. You know, <laughs> Patrick Sweeney had that ability to be good-looking, a good actor, and even though he was not, you know, big or buff, or, or didn't, he didn't come off as tough, yet at the same time, it was always believable when he played it. And Mm-hmm. That just is not Jake Gyllenhaal in any way. <laughs> it's just, I, 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 I can't see him being a, that type of you know guy that's going to you know, roundhouse kick somebody in the face. Like, come on, man. Get out of my boss. See <laughs> <laughs> rip somebody's throat out? I mean, come on. I can see, I can see Jake Gyllenhaal <laughs> playing the Ben Gazzara role before I can see yes, him playing yes, the Patrick Yes, I can see that. Role. I could absolutely see him in the Ben Gazzara role much more than I could see him in, in Patrick Swayze. But we'll see. You know, it could be another one of those projects that goes by the wayside. I just thought that was interesting. Uh, so uh, we had talked about episodic television and also binge-worthy television. One of the biggest announcements that came out earlier this week is that Stranger Things Season 4 is coming in the summer of 2022, and it's going to be set during the spring of 1986. <clears throat> the episode titles released so far are Hellfire Club, Vecna's Curse, The Monster and the Superhero, Dear Billy, The Nina Project, The Dive, the Massacre at Hawkins Lab, Papa, and The Piggyback. So that's the nine episode titles that we're going to be getting next year when uh, it hits Netflix in summer of 2022. No date yet, but at least, you know, we're getting there. You know, slowly but surely, we are, we are getting back to Stranger Things territory with season four. So, wait, it's supposed to take place now in the summer of 86? The spring yeah. of 86. Oh, spring spring of wow. Okay. So, so twenty-year-olds playing fucking fifteen-year-olds. Cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's it's gonna be fun. Uh, so, they're starting. They had Stranger Things Day a couple of days ago. That's why they made these announcements. So they they talked about some of the cast and and like Finn Wolfhard, who's going to be in uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife coming out this month. He's also going to be writing and directing a horror comedy set at a summer camp. So. As far as I'm concerned, Finn Wolfhard, just fucking do it, man. Do whatever you want. Just ride that fucking wave while you still can. Do the whole thing yeah. where it's like, yeah, I'm the guy for Stranger Things and Ghostbusters. Like, I'm going to fucking ride it out until I can't do it anymore. 
So I'm all for it. Like, whatever he wants to do, while he's also hot, in, do it. He was also in It, though. I mean, you know, that kid out of all has yeah. probably been the busiest. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Keep it going. You know, I have I have no problem with it. Like, I I, I don't have any problem with Finn Wolfhard. I think he's great on, on what he does. So if he wants to keep it going and he wants to do these shows, he also has a band called the Aubrey's. It's not too bad. Uh, so, yeah, just keep it going. Do what you got to do. Uh, but this isn't Finn Wolfhard, really. This is Stranger Things related. Uh, General Mills is teaming up with Netflix to release a limited edition boxes of uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch, Lucky Charms, and Cheerios. Each box is going to have some Easter eggs for the show as well as some retro 80s faux ads, and they're going to cost $19.86 per box. What? While supplies last. Yeah. Oh, hell no. 1986, so, yeah, it's a fun little play on that. But, hey, listen, there's somebody out there that's going to buy it. You just know it. So, not going to be us. I didn't say I am, but, you know, I don't have that kind of money. They weren't even even charging that much for a box of bootios. (laughs) No, no, they weren't. You know, I mean, dear Lord. The only thing I wanted with Ghostbusters Afterlife was that sweet nectar of the green gods, ectopur, and we're not getting it because they're only going to be doing it for special edition releases of the film when it comes out at the end of this month. So no, you know, grocery store shopping for ectopur. You're not going to find it. If you're lucky, you can go to a premiere in L.A. or Tampa or Atlanta where they're having these events pop up where you can get yourself a, a six-pack. That's about it. Wait, so I'm disappointed. That's I'm it? kind of upset. Yeah, that's they're it. not bringing it back at all. No, no, not nationwide. They have no plans. Oh, that's bullshit. They brought it back for the shitty ass gr- girls version of, and they, they're not bringing it back for this one. Sure not. No, they said they have no plans. They're just going to be doing it for pop up events for the release and things like that. Uh, so, if you really are hard up, and you could look it up on on different websites of where you could find these releases where they're going to have it. But yeah, that's the only place you're going to be able to get it. So, yeah, they, they oh, dropped the ball dude. You know, as far as that. It had one job. That's just to put out Ectocore again. They didn't do it, so it's fine. Um, you know, no, it, and not. I also want to mention that the the, the final uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer is out there. I have not seen it. I can't even comment on it because I know there are going to be spoilers in that trailer. I don't want to see it. I don't even want to know about it. I just know that the final trailer is out. So if you guys at home are listening and you're like, you know what, I want to check it out, go right ahead. It's on the Talking Terror page. I just haven't watched a frame of it. I saw that first trailer they released, good and done, ladies and gentlemen, because I want to come so hard watching that movie and not have it spoiled for me. <laughs> and that's where I'm at. Like, I want to have this Ghostbuster come just the entire time. I don't want to be like, oh, yeah, I saw that in the trailer. Fuck. Nope. <laughs> not for me. Well, you heard it here, folks. The king wants to come. Yeah. The, Don't the come to me if you're going to go see that movie because you're going to be in the splash zone. Sorry, one year at a time. <laughs> just, anyone near the king is going to be covered in ectoplasm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, ghost shit. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it was a ghost. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. Oh, yeah. When he came all over the computer. Oh, you, you, you didn't know this movie was in 4D? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's totally ectoplasm. <laughs> Is it supposed to be body temperature? I don't know. Weird. Ooh. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it's, the Andy, it's, the Andy pla- it's the antiplasm. <laughs> it's the antiplasm. <laughs> oh, man. 
you just got covered. Uh, no, so no, but and that comes out on number eighteen, Ghostbusters Afterlife. I, I tend to see it as like I said earlier, uh, but we'll see what happens as far as uh, if it meets my expectations. I hope it does. But um, moving on to a little bit of Halloween territory with David Gordon Green. Uh, he talked earlier this week about his new draft for Halloween Ends, which he compares to Christine, John Carpenter's Christine. But uh, this movie's going to have a very different tone. It's going to be a coming-of-age story with not a lot of wittiness and retro joy. Uh, it's going to be more in line with uh, paying homage to John Carpenter, particularly Christine. So Michael Myers is going to turn into a car at the end of it. I guarantee you this. That's going to be the twist ending. He's going to turn into a fucking truck and drive away. And it's going what, to be what is this, the 80s? Where did he learn to drive? <laughs> yeah. Ah. Uh. Yeah, he's going to, he, yeah. At the end of the movie, he's going to die, and then he's going to be turned into a car. And then a nerdy little kid down the street's going to be like, oh, no, I want to drive that. You know, and then, you know, an old man's going to come out and be like, oh, yeah, nothing smells better than a new car other than pussy. And he's like, oh, wow, that's weird. That was in that movie 15. <laughs> No. So, so I don't know. Uh, just the, the whole coming of age thing, I don't understand that, uh, I guess. I mean, you know, I know when I associate Halloween, I associate it with coming of age stories. So, yeah, that's what I want to, uh, yeah, all right. <laughs> but that's what we're going to get. Who knows? Maybe, so maybe, we'll they, maybe they're going prequel with it, dude. Maybe they're going to take it I back. Take it all the way back to, like, <laughs> Michael being a child. <laughs> That's the only way I could think of it. Gee, and, in a car. But I like, but it's just the fact that he quoted <laughs> himself as saying that there's not going to be any wittiness and retro joy. So yeah, for, I don't know. I mean, does he mean nostalgia? Because I don't really think of those two movies, Halloween Kills and Halloween 2018, as retro joy. And the wittiness is David Gordon Green <laughs> wittiness. So we have a kid that wants to dance in Halloween. He's like, Dad, I just want to dance. And then he gets killed. Same red. And then we get Big John Wick in Halloween Kills. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just, you know, we get David Gordon Green and Danny McBride uh, uh, waiting. So dancing. we'll see. Uh, yeah, well, that kid wanted to dance. He didn't want to go hunting, and then he ends up getting killed by Michael for some reason. I, I don't know. Wrong place, wrong time. But, you know, that happened. Um, so October 14th, 2022, uh, the trilogy will conclude with Halloween ends, uh, so stay tuned for that. Um, but meanwhile, Halloween Kills remains in the box office top 10 with $130 million worldwide. So big number uh, for Michael Myers and, and showing that he still has staying power, uh, even after that, that contrived mess of a movie. Still sits in the theater. <laughs> I said people what I said. Liking I it, man. People are liking it. Like I said, man. I don't know, blame anybody. It's, it's, I don't. it's getting people in the seats. <laughs> yeah, I I don't yuck anybody's yum, as I always say on the show. You know, people out there that like this movie and love it and are so vehemently defending of it, that's fine. You can, but don't get upset when I poke holes in your stories. You know, when I start adding <laughs> that this isn't something that would happen and this is kind of stupid, don't be like, well, you know, fuck you, man. That's the internet. I forgot where I was. <laughs> I'm sorry. Only my opinion Halloween accounts here. I am. Um, So moving away from Michael Myers, we are moving into Freddy Krueger territory. No, this is not new movie news. Uh, Robert Englund, who is going to be a part of Stranger Things Season 4, is not going to be playing that character again. There's no remakes on the horizon. But 
according to Terrorvision Records, who releases vinyls of different horror soundtracks, they will be releasing Freddy's Nightmares, the soundtrack, for the first time ever on LPs and cassettes. This was a series that ran for two seasons on NBC from 1988 to 1990, having Freddy be the host who would do the opening segment, middle segment, and end segment, and he even participated in some of the episodes for Sweeps Week, uh, including the pilot episode directed by Toby Hooper called No More Mr. Nice Guy, which was the basically origin story of Freddy Krueger. used to be available for free on YouTube. I don't know if you can find it anymore, but it's a fun way to introduce Freddy Krueger before he became the burnt dream demon that we all know. Uh, so it's definitely worth checking out if you could find it. So this release... Uh, is going to be available on November 12th at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. It's going to be available as a best of LP or triple LP that comes with a complete Freddy's Nightmare episode guide and a special bundle that includes a T-shirt, four holographic stickers, and two enamel pins. So if you're like Ardeen and you love your LPs and your vinyl and you're a big fan of Freddy's Nightmares, well, man, I got it for you. But that does not mean that there's going to be a Blu-ray or DVD release. So if you're like me and you want to get that release, you got to keep waiting. I don't think that's ever going to happen. Uh, and, yes, it is still available online, just so you know. Yes, Episode 1 is available for free on Daily Motion. <laughs> well, there you go. And I definitely think if you guys have not checked it out, I'm talking about you, Ghoul, and you, Monkey. Uh, it is a fun episode, uh, especially being directed by Toby Hooper, the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and, and seeing Freddy before he became uh, the Dream Demon and driving around in an ice cream truck and uh, killing people. <laughs> it's such a bizarre, fun uh, episode um, about his arrest and trial and how he got off. But the, sound, the, uh, the opening theme is pretty fucking killer. I'm a huge fan of that opening theme from Freddy's Nightmares, so check it out. Um, yeah, I remember the series, and uh, you know, it was like one of those. I didn't watch it as much as I would have expected myself to have, and I think it's just because it was kind of like the whole Friday the 13th the series thing, where it, mm-hmm. being that it was an anthology, and I know like Freddy did the hosting duties and everything, which at least was somewhat of a step up from Friday the 13th yeah. the series. Um, it just being that it wasn't Freddy all the time, I was kind of like, yep, right. okay, I'm good. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like the Friday 13th series, except that uh, except for it being a cursed object on Friday 13th series, all the stories took place on Elm Street. So there were a couple of them that were pretty good. A lot of them were bad. Um, you know, there was one about um, a teenager that works at a drive-thru restaurant uh, and gets shot one night uh, while he's doing drive-thru duties. His girlfriend's played by Law Park Lincoln from Friday 13th part seven. Uh, and it has like this weird time loop thing. And it's actually pretty entertaining. And Freddie isn't in that one. And it was actually one of the more entertaining uh, episodes um, that showed like the Elm street kids not having to fight Freddie, but having to fight a different kind of, of thing. So I forget the name of that episode, <laughs> but it, it's worth checking out. I think if you have the Blu-ray of the front of the nightmare on Elm street series, it's on there. It's one of two episodes that they included on that Blu-ray. So if you have it, uh, you have that episode. And I think you do, Google. I think you have that Blu-ray or uh, one of the copies I think you have. I think you have the DVD of the Nightmare on Street series. Uh, I did. Oh, I, you know what? I don't remember. I, you know what? I uh, Yeah. I, yeah. I, certain things got lost amongst the, uh, the, the ex <laughs> decided that that was what she, she yeah. wanted to keep. So I got my Friday I the 13th. Remember. And 
And yeah. then she took the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, I might have it, though, now. I, I forget <laughs> if I ever got it again. Or if it's one that, like, every time I see it, I'm like, yeah. ooh, I should buy it. And then I'm like, no, I'm going to own another copy of fucking Friday the 13th on DVD or Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I or have, digital. I, I don't I have, have any, like, eight uh, variations. I don't have the Friday the 13th collection. Yeah, I don't have the Friday the 13th collection. I just have the individual DVDs. And then I have the Blu-ray of the Nightmare on Elm Street series, and I also have the DVD uh, series. So I have both. I, I don't know why. I, I don't. I, just, I do. I'm one of those guys where it's like, hey, the Nightmare on Elm Street Blu-ray has Freddy's Nightmares, but the DVDs have extra commentary, so I'll just get both. And I have both for some reason. So, yeah, I'm like that. <laughs> some of these series. Just so you, you get me with the extras. Um, so I'm going to freestyle it a little bit with a couple of these things. So I thought they were interesting, and maybe you guys will too. Uh, this one came up yesterday, and I put it on the Talking Terror page just because it piqued my interest, and that is MGM is currently working on a Jim Jones biopic that's going to not only be produced by Leonardo DiCaprio, but also star Leonardo DiCaprio as Jim Jones. I don't really know how I feel about that because I don't see him as Jim Jones, and I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on that as well, because I just, I, I love Leonardo DiCaprio, especially in these later roles that he's doing. I just don't see Jim Jones. Yeah, dude, I agree with Mom, you, man. Dude. It's like, you know, the way, the way he's been rolling lately, I've really been enjoying the roles that he's been taking, but at the same time, it's just, you know, you can't compare anybody to Powers Booth playing Jim Jones, man. Nope. It's just, nope. he was just so smooth and, you know, and convicting, and, you know, it's, he was just fucking perfect, and I just can't, you know, I, I I would love to see a new Jonestown movie. I really would, but I just really don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is the right fit for it, man. Uh, Ghoul, what were you going to say, brother? Oh, no, no, no. I was saying for you to for you to take it there. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know what, man? Listen. Leonardo DiCaprio has very, very, very rarely disappointed me. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe he doesn't have the look uh, of what you expect Jim Jones to look like, but, I mean, that's what, what makeup and, and all that shit yeah, is, yeah. Is, is meant to do. Um, as far as his acting ability, you know, I think he is, He's one of the best of that current generation. So if anybody can find a way to, like, portray something in that way that will give us a different insight to it, he's one of them that can do it, you know. So now it's going to come down to I'm not worried about his performance. It's more about the supporting cast and what Mm -hmm. is this filmmaker, what is this writer's, Like, what angle are they coming at it from? Um, You know, I'm hoping that they give us something a little bit new and and something Mm -hmm. that kind of maybe, you know, I don't know, sheds a little, little, just a different light on the whole situation. Um, But I think Leo's going to be great no matter what, so. Yeah. Yeah. And you do. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry, King. Go ahead. I was just going to say that I, I don't – I'm not upset about it. I'm not like, oh, no, never, never Leonardo. No, not Jim Jones. I, I don't care about that aspect because, like, cool, you had said, I mean, makeup, wigs, you know, things like that, that, that goes a long way. Uh, me, I'm more worried about the fact that they're going to try to glamorize Jim Jones. 
like they did with that Zac Efron Ted Bundy movie, where they made Ted Bundy look like a fucking rock star when he really is just a necrophilic killer. Um, so I'm kind of hoping they don't do that with this Jim Jones movie, that they show you for the person that he was, which was just a drug addict psychopath that had a cult in Guyana, and he forced them all to kill themselves. So I'm just hoping that we don't go that route, where it's just like, oh, fucking Jim Jones, oh, he fucking rules, dude. It's like, no. No, he was a fucking maniac, you know, and uh, yeah, so that, that's my whole point, but go ahead, Monkey. Yeah, I was going to say, um, I, I agree with what the ghoul's saying, because, <clears throat> excuse me, Leonardo DiCaprio is one of those few actors where he's an actual actor, you know, and he can change his mm-hmm. performance based on the role that's necessary, you know, it's not like, you know, when you get Anthony Hopkins, you know, you're casting Anthony Hopkins, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio is willing to change himself for the role, like classic actors are supposed to do, you know, much like you know Daniel Craig does in a lot of his movies, where you know we completely change him to Foghorn Leghorn and Knives Out kind of thing, completely change him to this American sounding <laughs> guy in Star Wars when it, when he's just playing a stormtrooper, you know, and Leonardo DiCaprio is able to change himself for the role, you know, but mm-hmm. you know the ghoul brings up great points of where are we going with this, what are we doing with this, and it's just. You know, yeah, all of this together, though, you know, if you're going to sit there and tell the story of Jonestown, is like you got to tell the story of what a manipulative guy he was, you know, and what a masterful manipulative mind he was, you know, and just show both sides. It was just, you know, how smooth he was, but also how dark and twisted he was. You, you have to show it. And like you were saying, you know, turn into some weird, you know, you know, seductive kind of thing. It's like, no, show it for what it is. Be dark, be gritty, and don't be afraid to give us a messy, messy story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's all I really care about. I mean, I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing what they do with it, but like you said, Monty, I, I think none could do better than Powers Booth uh, in that Jim Jones, Jamestown, uh, bio, Jonestown biopic that we got. Um, then also Gene Jones in The Sacrament where he was playing a kind of Jim Jones uh, style cult leader. I thought he did a great job as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just looking forward to seeing what, what comes up of it. And just, again, don't, you know, I know that uh, the guy that's writing the script, Scott Rosenberg, you're not listening to our podcast, but just don't, don't rock star him. Don't, don't make him like the fucking Elvis Presley of the cult world where people are like, yeah, he wasn't that bad. He's pretty fucking cool. No, no. No, he, no, he was a fucking but monster. at the same time, he does have to show how alluring he was. Oh, and I how, that. Yeah, the monkey yeah. said, how seductive he was. So to a degree, he is going to have to do that in order for it to be believable for him to have convinced as many people as he did to follow him to the, to the length that they did. Mm-hmm. So otherwise, yeah, and I, if, if everything comes off as shitty, you're going to sit there and be like, well, then why the fuck would anybody <laughs> have done this? You know, and that, that right. that's just not going to be the right way to go. No, not at all. And I completely agree with that. I, I think there does have to be a sheen on it because you do have to show how charismatic he was to get all these people to go to Guyana in the first place because he was. But mm-hmm. I also am really looking forward to seeing how they handle the final days when he was so addicted to drugs that they were basically pulling the microphone from when he was talking over and over again because they just wanted him to shut the fuck up for two seconds because he wouldn't stop <laughs> talking about the message and about the people, how the government was coming and they were going to kill us and that we need to go and this is the thing. And, 
you know, and that's why when he started leading them into their suicide, they're like, dude, no fucking way, man. The fuck out of here with your shitty talk. And he's like, oh, uh, you don't want to listen to me anymore? Then maybe I'll listen to a bullet. And it's like, that's what I want to see. Like how he turned in from this charismatic guy that was leading a church into this maniac that became addicted to drugs and led people to kill themselves. I think there's a lot there. And, yeah, I'm just looking forward to seeing how they handle it and, and seeing what comes up of it. Like I said, I just I don't want it to be two hours of just, what a rock star. Then in the five minutes, like, oh, by the way, he killed people. Like, he forced them to kill themselves. Yeah. Like, yeah. Because that's what you they know, did with Ted And, yeah, with the original Jonestown movie, it's, it's a lot of story to put in there. You know, this is, this is one where this would be great as a series. A really, really high budget, in depth series, you know, so where you can sit there and go total deep dive on this shit. But, um, you know, don't be afraid to go there. But a series, though, you know. Mm, No, no, he's not. He's going to do a movie. Yeah. You couldn't get him (laughs) for a series. Maybe in a couple years, but not now. No, he's he's still Mr. Movie, you know, between uh, doing movies and saving the planet. Uh, He's got so much time. And then just getting all that strange. Like, I don't know how he makes movies. I, I don't know. Because it's like between all the girls he's banging and then all the world he's trying to save, it's like, man, when do you have time? When do you have Leo time? <laughs> you have time to just be like, you know what, Leo, you're doing a great job. Pat yourself on the back, bud. Like, no, he just doesn't have any time. Oh, wait, so wait, wait. So, he, so, so what, he, he's back in the saddle now and, like, he's just getting all kinds of shit on the side? Been doing that. I mean, that's just, as far as I knew, I mean, the, the, the party train never stopped. For, you know, Leo D. You know, I mean, it just, it just kept on going. You know, it's just like he's living that Wolf of Wall Street lifestyle. You know, it's just it's cocaine and dollar dollar bills every day. And, you know, daddy wants that puss puss. Like, you know, I mean, that's that's his life. And it's, he deserves to live it because he's come a long way. So I respect it. You know, I respect that life. But um, so, yeah, there's that. Stay tuned for more details. I know I'm be following that a little bit more closely. So... We all know of a, of a certain person that got released about 90 days ago from the WWE. His name is Wyndham Rotunda, but you may know him as Bray Wyatt. Uh, so his 90-day no-compete clause has stopped. It's expired, so he can go wherever he wants now. Uh, he's not going back into the ring as of right now. He's actually going behind the camera because he's working on a new movie with Tom Savini's makeup effects uh, partner, Jason Baker. If that name sounds familiar to you, it should, because he's the one that designed the mask for The Fiend, as well as the Firefly Funhouse. But they're working together on a movie that's filming currently in Tennessee, which is described as Ichi the Killer meets Xanadu. So that already has me hooked. I don't what? know what the fuck that is. I just I want to see it. Ichi the Killer meets Xanadu with Bray Wyatt, a.k.a. Wyndham Rotunda, in the movie, and also I have writing the script with Baker and Rob Fee. I, I can't wait. I'm so into so this. what the fuck? So, are, you know what, so what the fuck are we having? Yakuza on roller skates? <laughs> with, it's gotta be, and yeah, with Olivia <laughs> Newton John. <laughs> Damn. Okay. I don't know. Like I said, I, it's one of those things where it's, just, it's like you crazy <laughs> son of a bitch. Just do it. Like I don't know. And it's probably going to suck. It's going to be so bad. But at the same time, I heard that, and I was like, you know what? Okay. It's probably going to be terrible. <laughs> oh, it's, it's probably just – it's one of those things where I, I'm a fan of Wyndham Rotunda. I was a huge fan of Bray Wyatt and what he did with The Fiend and the Firefly Funhouse. And I know he's creative. I know he can write. I know he's, he's good at that. But 
when it just said Ichi the Killer meets Xanadu, I was like, you know what? It's so crazy. It might work, but then it probably is not. But I just want to see it happen. I just want to be there. I just want to say I watched it. <laughs> I, I, watched I, lo- movie, I love that the monkey. You know? I love that the monkey's response was Yaxi's on roller skates. <laughs> <laughs> Yakuza on roller skates, <laughs> which probably what we're gonna get, and a lot of musical numbers. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. And don't forget the background animation by Don Bluth. You're going to have to throw that in there, too. (laughs) So I brought that up, not just because I'm a fan of of Bray Wyatt, more a fan of wrestling here, but it seems like there was another announcement that was made where I'm like, you know what, this is just as insane, and I have to bring it up on the show. It's on the fucking terror page as well. But coming in February 25th of 2022, directed by Hatchet 3 director B.J. McConnell, is Studio 666. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm with that. I like the title. It's going to be devilish. going to be music. Uh, the film is going to be uh, the Foo Fighters being haunted during a recording session and becoming possessed. It's described as a, night, a hard day's night of the living dead. What the fuck, guys? Like, I'm like, oh, my God, there's another one where I'm like, you know what? It's going to be fucking terrible, but I'm going to watch it. Like Dave Grohl, America's Sweetheart? And the rest of the Foo Fighters in a horror movie? All right. I'm down. Take it, Buck. <laughs> this, this is going to be like that uh, Haunted Amusement Park Kiss movie. <laughs> oh, Kiss and the Phantom of the Park? Love that fucking movie. <laughs> Where half the movie was a black guy in, in Kiss makeup doing the stunts for Paul Stanley. Yeah, that fucking movie rules. These are the ideas that have come out of 2021. Yeah. Come. We, don't even, we don't even know yet. You know what I mean? We're not going to see a lot of this until 2022 and such, and we're just going to be like, wow, man. Wow. Did we, well, did we really thing. deserve this year? The movie could be absolute shit, but Dave Grohl is such a fucking nice guy that I would be like, dude, that movie ruled, man. Like, you killed it in Studio 666. Thank you very much, man. Oh, man, that's very cool. You're like, no, Dave, that was cool. You. Like, why are you so nice, Dave Grohl? Like, can you just be mean one day? Like, just be fucking an asshole? Like, just be like, you know what? Go fuck yourself. I'd be like, whoa, you're even cooler now because you have an angry streak. And I like that. No. He just wants to give you drumsticks and fucking tell you how cool you are. So I'm all I right. got a decapitation to make. <laughs> <laughs> there goes my victim. Watch her as she runs. <laughs> can remake all these songs. <laughs> so yes, that that's coming out next year. I just I, I can't wait. I just goofy movies like that always get me, like premises and and things like that. Um, there was another one that I put up in the talking terror page. Uh, the, the Red Band trailer is available for you to watch, but it's called Death to Metal, and it's directed by a guy named Tim Connery. Uh, basically, it's about a freak accident that turns a disturbed priest into a mutant, and rather than dying or succumbing to his injuries, he ends up becoming super strong, and he ends up killing metalheads because he believes they're all godless and sinful. Like, that, like I, I, I need this in my life. I need this type of a fucking silly, stupid movie in my life because that, like, back in the 80s when heavy metal horror was a thing, it was so cool. Like, it was just so fun and stupid. You knew it was going to be dumb. You knew it was going to be silly, but you couldn't help watch it because it had a great metal soundtrack and the gore was pretty good. 
Like we covered Black trick Roses or treat. Uh, the, and <laughs> Trick or Treat. Yeah, and they're, they're just fun movies, you know, uh, Heavy Metal Nightmare, Rock and Roll Nightmare. You know, this is, they're, they're fun, silly movies. And the fact that there is one coming uh, in December and it's about a disturbed priest that becomes a mutant and starts killing metalheads, I'm like, how is this not for me? Like, this is just like, hey, Andy, we made you a movie. This is it. Like, oh, thanks, guys. Did they grow in it? No? Uh, I guess I'll watch it. <laughs> Expectations lowered because Dave Grohl doesn't show up at some point in this movie. But, yeah, like I said, I, just, I, I need that sometimes in my life. Just, just movies that you can just put on, they're just so dumb that you don't have to think about them. Like, you just you watch it for the gore. You watch it for the soundtrack. Yeah. So um, I like those movies but sometimes. But you hated Halloween like, Kills. Just, That's what Halloween because Kills Because it was too serious. It took itself too seriously. That was my problem with Halloween Kills. They had potential to be a dumb, just, you know, gore-filled movie that was just kind of silly. But they took themselves too seriously with that script. Like, they dropped it's the ball. It's not a guy like, called Big John fun. and Little John who are opposites of, of their names. I mean, how serious does the movie take itself? The fucking acting with, with fucking Tommy Doyle going, all right, guys, listen up going to tell you about Michael Myers and I like that it was so serious like you know just have fun with it like the, you know Anthony Michael Hall was so hammy but his line delivery was so serious I just I you know I don't know I, the, the whole thing was Marion Chambers like I said I don't want to get into nitpicks about Halloween Kills again because I'll talk for the next three hours about it but it just it what it, it had potential to be silly and it took it so seriously that was no problem like you have a guy that looks like the penguin that's Michael Myers but how do we know? I don't know. Let's kill him anyway. All right. Wow. Are you taking yourself too seriously? <laughs> Dumb it down, guys. Like, you know, <laughs> you can have fun. My flippers. And they, and they, they didn't, so that's fine. Um, <clears throat> so, I, like, I love trauma movies because trauma movies, they're purposely bad. So you could just kind of put one on and just be like, oh, look, I saw tits and I saw a guy's head get blown off. It's not like, wow, it's kind of, kind of serious what's happening right now. Like, it's, just, it's fun, and it's just it's mindless entertainment. Sometimes you just need that. Sometimes you just want to turn your head off. But um, <clears throat> have they, any of you guys seen uh, Squid Game? Am I the only one that hasn't really no. been interested in seeing it? Nope. Like, I haven't I've, seen it. You know yeah. what? Yeah. Samantha yeah. has watched all of it. <clears throat> Bonnie started okay. watching it, and she says that I should watch it. You know, Sammy loves it. She thought it was fantastic. Oh, really? Thing that she'd never seen. Yeah, she she really she had fun with it. Um, and Bon Bon has watched a couple of episodes, and she says that I should watch it. That I'll probably really like it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's one of those where similar to you, King. I just kind of like you know everybody started talking about it. It became like this whole big thing, and I'm just like, whatever. Um, has has. Just for cross romance, has Sam seen Battle Royale? No, no, she has not. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. Well, well yeah, no, no, just because I, I keep hearing a lot. I, 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 the only thing I know is it's in the same vein as Battle Royale. That's that's all I pretty much know, and that's pretty, you know, pretty much oh, stay away it? from it. Nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I know nothing about it. I just know that everybody was like, "Fucking Squid Game, bro," and I'm like, "No, not doing it. I'm not fucking doing it." I'm not doing it this oh, time. I'll probably watch, I'll kidding. watch it, you know? Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. It's just the fact that everybody was just so fucking rock hard and fucking wet over fucking Squid Game. I was like, I'm not doing it, guys. I'm not. I'm not. I, I don't want it. I don't, I'm not interested. Maybe a year from now I'll be like, you know what? I'm going to watch it. 
once nobody's talking about it anymore, and I'll think it's amazing, but no, uh, not now. I'm not. Uh, there's so many other things I have to watch that, uh, you know, it's not my zeitgeist. Um, but if you are a fan of, of Squid Game and, and you are enjoying it and you want another season, well, fret not, you're going to get one. Uh, because the creator, uh, oh, it's such a hard name to pronounce, and I hope I get it right, which is Wang Dong Yuk, I guess, um, South <laughs> Korean the creator. That it, I'm, did you I, say, I, it lame, did like you Wang say lame Yuk. Yuk? <laughs> yeah, Wang Dong Whoa. Yuk, I guess that's how it's pronounced. I don't know. Wang Dong Yuk. Yeah, you know we're going there. Okay. So... <laughs> He like well, said he's developing a second. Well, <laughs> he's developing a second season, uh, and that you're going to be able to see it soon. Uh, the series apparently is South Korean and features hundreds of cash-strapped players competing in children's game for a grand prize of $45.6 billion. So that that's the the plot of Squid Games. I honestly, like I said, I haven't watched it, so that's just the plot. But uh, so if you're looking for a second season, uh, it's happening. It's just you got to be a little patient and, and let it uh, occur unnaturally. Uh, Wang yeah, Dong I don't, I don't think they've locked anything down yet. Like, I know that there's been shit said. There's been rumors like that that it has been locked down. And, uh, yeah, I think that there's, there's nothing official except for the fact that, you know, obviously hmm. due to its popularity, you know Netflix is bringing it back. So... Oh yeah, and and the, the the creator did say that he is like processing, I guess, like a season two, like he's writing it and, and getting it prepped. So you know, you're you're bound to see it. Um, I, I I don't know if it was really like a surprise thing with Squid Game, where it came out all of a sudden it was like a huge hit, or you know, it's kind of one of those things where Netflix planned on it being that way. No idea. I just know that if you're a fan, uh, you probably can expect a season two coming out shortly. So the last oh, thing no, I it, wanted to bring up. It, it, yeah. it, just to answer your question, no, this was not a planned thing. This, like, just became a surprise hit, so much so that it was fucking crashing servers over in Korea and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> but because right. it couldn't handle the the input of viewers. You know, this was not planned. <laughs> this was just a surprise hit, and, like, yeah, it just took over all over the fucking world, man. <laughs> I mean, that, hey, that that's cool, you know? I mean, again, I just, I'm, I'm not a part of that train. I just, I don't want to get on it, you know? I, I know people are telling me to watch Squid Game, and it's great. No, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm watching Chucky. You know, I'm watching Dexter. Get on the you know, I'm, train. I'm in my wheelhouse. Yeah, so, <laughs> but, uh, so the, the thing I wanted to close out on before we get into the movie for tonight, uh, with the holidays are fast approaching, of course, you know, you start hearing the Christmas music and you start seeing people put out decorations. You know Hallmark Channel is gearing up, as they always do for their Christmas movies. And I bring this up because this Sunday night is I mean this Saturday night rather there's going to be a movie called One December Night that stars one Bruce Campbell in a oh. movie where he plays a man named Steve Bedford the film is described as a wonderful heartfelt christmas tale about friendship music family and the things that ultimately bring us together this Saturday night on the Hallmark Channel I was like you know what Bruce Campbell oh. he's conquered it all deadites aliens tornadoes but he's going to conquer our hearts this Saturday night in a family-friendly <laughs> get-together of a Christmas movie only on the Hallmark Channel. Uh, the souls are up there on the Talking Terror page that you can check out. And, uh, it's just, it's the chin. You know, it, it's Ash. It's Bruce. I might even watch it just because I just want to see him in a fucking Christmas movie. Like, so bizarre. <laughs> like, when are the fucking zombies coming? All he's doing is standing there playing an acoustic guitar and winking at people. 
I've, I felt the same way when I watched the ice rink. It, it just felt weird. <laughs> yeah, when you see him in a non-horror movie role and he's not killing anybody, it's just weird. It's just, you know, it's, it's out of, yeah. Because he was in that movie Sky High that came out a couple of years ago, uh, and he was like the gym coach. And I was like, but oh, that was shit, different. Yes. He was playing to tight. I love Sky he, he High. Was, yeah, he was <laughs> yeah. playing to tight, man. He was Sorry, playing. Dick. That was Bruce Campbell playing Bruce Campbell. <laughs> yeah, it was. Yeah, but it, it Sorry, was just so, so weird to see him not kill somebody. Yeah, good. Oh, no, 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 just just quoting, man. Yeah, no, he's, he's fantastic. Yeah. Is that that whole that whole cast was great though? You know what I mean? There were just all those those nice little things. Dude, Kelly Preston was in there. You know, Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. It's just uh, that's a, it's a lot of fun before the superhero craze that we have now. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of what also made that one so much fun because you know we were not we weren't there what we are now as far as, you know, the, the overindulgence of superhero films and such. Yeah. And it, it, it's still a fun one. I remember that one. I didn't see it in the theaters, but I remember renting it because Bruce Campbell was in it. I just wanted the whole movie about Bruce, you know, being a superhero and fighting crime, but we never got that. Coach, Coach Boomer. I mean, That's what that was. His yeah. Name, Boomer. He had the, the big loud voice. You did get my name. Yes, but you know me, anything with Bruce Campbell, I'm going to watch it. So I very well might watch one December night and just mute all the parts that he's not in. But my luck will be in like a 30-second spot. Like he'll show up and be like, hi, I'm Steve Bedford. Look at me playing my guitar. See you guys later. And then that's it. Then it's an hour and a half of Peter Gallagher and everybody else from the Hallmark Channel going, oh, kiss me under the mistletoe and buy a gift to the cancer patient while we open up a bakery. And don't forget to wear our matching ugly sweaters. And there, there's not a person of color in this town for some reason. I don't know. Weird. <laughs> we don't think about that too much. Typically with the floral shop, you know, or thinking about the big wigs that came in to buy a cup of coffee. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That's like, all the Hallmark Channel movies. You said those towns are all, you know, oh, look, I'm the baker. I'm an artisan. You know, there's no mess in this town at all. <laughs> no. It's always like, hey, my name is Sarah, and I run a floral shop. And then all of a sudden, here comes the dashing Paul from New York, who's just passing through but got a flat tire. Now he has to spend the weekend in Bedford Falls. And what am I going to do? <laughs> oh, look at that girl. She's getting a coffee. Well, I can't date you. You're a big business person. Well, I can't date you. You're from a small town. And then they just have fun over a vanilla ice cream, and then they just end up dating by the end. And then dancing in the, in the town square. As snow falls and kids are like, "Oh, Sarah found love," and then you know it's just Christmas trees everywhere and you know, some soundtrack by Sarah McLaughlin. And it's about time she found love because no one's going to date her with that blue waffle she's got. No, she's not. But she finally found love after all this time, and it's a good thing her boyfriend isn't jealous about it. We broke up weeks ago, Cletus. I know, but I just wish you'd take me back, Sarah. You don't need to be dating no big time city boy. Like, oh, no, I'm on the. It's always one of those. It's like the plot of son-in-law. That is, it is. But that's all the Hallmark movies. It's always a woman that, for some reason, has a business and always has to be small and always has to be like a bakery or like a, a, a dog grooming service. And then she's just so flustered because they always bring her the big dogs. So she's always like running her hands through her hair, going, "Oh my goodness." And then this guy shows up in a Lamborghini, and he's like, ugh, small town, ugh. 
but I got a flat tire. Then you know, next thing you know, they're they're playfully playing with like you know uh, whipped cream at the cafe. Then you have old woman Edna who's like, oh my God, Sarah finally found love, and on Christmas no reason. Like, you know, yeah. And it's all the Hallmark <laughs> For some reason, Wilford Brimley's there, even though he's been dead for like a decade. He shows up. He's like, oh, man, this is so sweet. It's going to give me diabetes. I don't know. <laughs> it's just Hallmark movies, man. Him, they write him, themselves. Him, him and Brent oh, Michael are about to diabetes. <laughs> I mean, just make it, you know, fun. Make it like a Christmas movie, but like the business guy, like is a Satan worshiper, and she happens to be a God-fearing woman, and then they have to find a common interest. So then they both like, become well, right. Write it. Write it. You've already you know written am... something, man. <laughs> write this. I am going to write this story. You know, when <laughs> Satan finds an angel, coming next year to Hallmark <laughs> Channel. It's going to be the biggest Christmas hit. I'm going to bring back Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio, and they're going to be together somehow, some way. Write those wrongs from the Titanic. <laughs> I, got I got it. I got the idea. But uh, the one thing the I do have big enough for two. <laughs> it could be big enough for two. But the one thing I didn't write was tonight's movie, because that was written by somebody else, and that's Incident in the Ghostland, directed by Pascal Laugier. Uh, so, Ghoul, this is your pick for tonight. So, why don't you give us a synopsis and what you thought about it, and we'll talk about it. Oh, well, you know, this is a, uh, a French-Canadian combo film. I mean, this is a, I can't oh. believe the Dean isn't here. You know, this is like so <laughs> straight up, uh, right up his alley, man, you know. Je ne sais quoi. Um, Je ne sais quoi. I mean, Monsieur Pitt. <laughs> this is like one of those funny ones, man, where it's like, okay, if you, if you try to look it up online to see what the synopsis is, they try so hard not to get, there's no way to give the synopsis without kind of spoiling the film. So, like, I'm looking at the two synopsises for the film, and, like, I don't know, the one completely kind of, I know, for me, it spoils it, and the other one is just so fucking random and bland. Uh, I don't know, man. Like you kind of said when uh, when I announced uh, the film to you guys uh, last last week in the in the group chat, you know, this is kind of like a, uh, a Rom Zombie-esque uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, hey, so some people are in a house and a bunch of other people are going to beat the shit out of them for like an hour and 45 minutes yeah. or so. Um you know, it's a uh, this this was a, a Google girl suggestion actually. She had watched it, oh, okay. uh, you know, because uh, initially when I had said what art what the pick was last week, uh, the Nick Cage Ghost Land movie, she was like, oh, I watched that, uh, but it turned out that this is what she had watched instead. Um, <laughs> So she had said that it was real interesting and that she thought that I would like it. And then as soon as I said, well, okay, then I'll pick it for the show, she she automatically went into the, uh, oh, great, you're going to hate it. And Andy's going to hate it. And everybody's going to not like this damn movie just because I picked it. And, uh, Blame you know, the goal, no, gal. I, <laughs> I actually ended up enjoying this. Um, I, you know, it, it was... It doesn't have anything that's unique or, or, or crazy. The twist isn't, wow, like Matrix level or anything like that. But you know what? The ride was fun, you know, and the uh, the violence was there. Hmm. Yeah. All right. So, Monkey, what did you think about Incident and Ghostland? Um, oddly enough, the diva ended up sitting down with me watching this when I put it on. Like She, she ended up getting sucked into it. 
Um, while this wasn't the most well-acted movie, this was a really, really well-written movie. Um, I, I, I really thought this was a movie that had been given the ghoul treatment because the way they layer the levels of horror on here, and when you think it's one kind of horror, it becomes another kind of horror. And then when you think it's that kind of horror, then it becomes another kind of horror. You know, And they keep throwing different stuff on top of you, and they keep – Throwing about you know whether or not it starts off as a haunted house movie and then it's or well, it starts off as home invasion movie and then it turns into you know <clears throat> a Disturbia kind of movie then it turns into possibly a ghost story then it you know turns back around this way and that way you know and you know it was really making me think this is definitely a movie worthy of a ghoul kind of pick just because it this was real real smart I thought. You know, without getting too deep and getting you lost. It, it, this was a really, really fun and interesting ride. Thanks, Ghoul. Ghoul Girl, thank you. <laughs> and what about you, King? What'd you think? Um, I didn't hate this movie. So, I mean, you could tell the Ghoul Girl that. I definitely didn't hate it. Um, I like Pascal Laugier because he did Martyrs in 2008, and I thought that's an amazing movie, and it's one that I do recommend to a lot of people. Um, then he followed it up, unfortunately, with The Tall Man, with Jessica Biel, which was pretty bad, and then, uh, you know, this one in 2018, and it's not a bad movie. Um, I, know, I don't really think that it goes into ghost territory so much, as it, it, it's interesting to see how people deal with trauma, and, and a certain event happening that causes somebody to, to go into an alternate reality. And like the, the girl had said, it's not something that we haven't seen before. There's plenty of movies that alter reality where somebody thinks they're somewhere else and then they're not. I mean, I think my favorite one would have to be Hot Tension, uh, or High Tension, rather, by Alexandria Aja, uh, where it's de France thinking that she's attacking a killer and she actually is the killer, uh, you know, in some way, shape, or form. Interesting movie. Uh, Jacob's Ladder is another one that Thanks alters for reality. Thanks it. Well, it's, it's like decades old. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, you're not going to see it. <laughs> you know, but it's a very old uh, Alexandria Aja movie. But uh, Jacob's Ladder is another example that I thought of where you have somebody experiencing something and then they realize that they were in another experience the entire time. So it works well. It's okay here, too. Um, just I didn't think it was very well acted. I thought the acting was a little bit off, and I don't know if it's because it's, it's French-Canadian. Um, that could be it, too. But... Overall, it wasn't a bad movie. I just, uh, you know, I, just, I think that Martyrs is a better movie. I just, I think that that one makes a little bit more of an impact uh, to me than this one, uh, where you're dealing with two sisters, uh, you know, Vera and Beth, you know, and, and their trauma. So I thought it handled the trauma really well because it, I think if you go through something that these two sisters go through, you probably would want to create a reality for yourself that's a lot more safe and a lot more comforting and loving, you know, that you can deal with. So, I mean, that was my you know, take on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree completely, you know, and I think that, you know, it, it's, it's a weird one because I kind of feel like the director was in, he was of two minds with this film. I feel yeah. like there was, the, the reason why he went with the Ghostland name, I feel like what he wanted to tell was more of the story of, of Beth as the adult. Hmm of Beth seeing yeah. all of these things going on in the house 
and thinking that, you know, this is some kind of like a haunting of some sort or some kind of supernatural thing is going on and that it wouldn't have been until a little bit later in the film that we have gone back and realized like, oh my God, you know, this entire time she was, she was still trapped there. And then you're going to get your, you know, your last, let's say 15 minutes or so of, of just crazy violence with these, with these poor children and these maniacs that are, that are doing what they're doing to them. But it's like he almost cut short for some reason, and he was like, uh, you know what, that's not so good of an idea. Uh, let's just go and beat up the kids for, you know, the next 45 minutes or so and then see what we get that way. <laughs> and, and when I say that, like, you know, the, obviously there is some humor to it, but at the same time, too, um, the young girl that, uh, that played uh, the, the, the blonde sister, um, I know she was involved with uh, a, a bad accident, yeah. uh, Taylor Hickson, mm-hmm. on set where, yeah. you know, they, he basically yeah. was asking her to, like, throw herself up against the glass to make it look more violent. And when she did, the glass mm-hmm. broke and it cut her face and yep. it turned into oh, a, yeah. whole big, uh, a whole big thing with that. Yeah, it, the whole big lawsuit and everything because he disfigured her face. It's like, that's the mm-hmm. moneymaker. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that's what's going to give me roles and that's what happened. So, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, pain for art, as it were, in this movie. But um, <clears throat> but I, I did like the dynamic <clears throat> of Beth and Vera, where Beth is more of the – I mean, we'll get into the whole H.P. Lovecraft thing because I just I didn't feel like it needed to be in this movie. I was confused, but it's fine, you know, because I guess she needs a favorite author, and, and that's how she writes. So I, I'm okay with that. But there's a point where H.P. Lovecraft becomes like a real thing in this movie, and I was like, okay. We don't need this, but all right, you know, looking like Robert Zadar, you know. He's free and I mean, he's dead. Yeah, you know, it's fine. But I was like, that, it's fine. It's a, I know you're not going to say Stephen King. Like, you're not going to be like, oh, Stephen King's a favorite. And then he shows up at the end. He's all co-fueled. like, oh, you like my books? Oh, no, it's 80s with uh... Stephen King. Sonny's <laughs> so a modern Stephen King. <laughs> like, but, no, it's, 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 it's fine where, where she is the, the writer. And you have Pauline, the mother, who's very encouraging and, and appreciates her short stories that involve people leaving trails of urine through hallways, and that's how it ends. I was like, that's a girl from my own heart. <laughs> the fuck that story, <laughs> I like it. Like, I, you know, and then you have, you know, Vera, who's like, well, fuck that. She's weird. Like, she fucking writes interviews for herself. It's like she's interviewing herself about her books. It's fucking weird. And mom's like, no, it's fine. Because she's unique. <laughs> you know, we're allowed to be unique in this place, like you know, let her dream, because that's who I feel like. Vera kind of takes a backseat. Like Vera is not very fleshed out as a character. You know, we 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 get to know her throughout the course of the movie, but it's obviously it's Beth's movie. You know, Beth is the writer. Beth is the one that we see as an adult and being interviewed on TV and having the husband and the wife. And Vera is a fucking punching bag. Like she's just there to get her ass handed to her and to scream a lot. And I felt bad because I wanted yeah. to see both sides. Yeah, and as a kid, Vera just comes off as a bitch. <laughs> yes, the entire time. <laughs> she just sucks the entire time because I hate everything. They go into the house, and she's, I fucking hate my room, and I hate this. And, you know, you're no only more. here because you don't want me to be a, You know, I want to be my boyfriend, <laughs> and you want me to be with him, and, you know. And I love that the mother keeps speaking French. And she's like, no French, mom. I'm like, shut up. <laughs> she's, she's, she's just right. being a teenage girl. She, she's just being a bitch teenage girl. You know, 
and she played it all fine. It's like I've, you know, we've all been around big teenage girls. You know, she, and she nailed the, what was her role was supposed to be. Yes, but there's yeah, no depth to the role. That's the problem. You know what I mean? Like, if this is supposed to be uh, a, a character study of of what, like, like the king said, it's a, it's a character study of what people go through with trauma. We never really get to see Vera's trauma other than the fact that Vera is constantly getting the shit kicked out of her. We see how Beth dealt <laughs> yeah. with the trauma. We see what Beth does, you know, in, in multiple circumstances. But Vera is very one-dimensional. It's like Vera is a bitch. Yeah. Vera's getting beat up. And then when Vera's not getting beat up, Vera's still kind of a bitch. But, oh, wait, Vera's getting yeah. beat up again. <laughs> right, yeah. but but and then unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, the the other role of Vera is because again, this is best story, and her way of dealing with things, and unfortunately, Vera is the anchor that keeps bringing her back to the reality that she doesn't want to think be in. Yeah, point. and that's fine. Yeah, I mean that's fine, but again, they didn't treat it very well. They just they just didn't treat that so well as as her being a good enough anchor, because they show her just being a bitch, and then we get this fat man and a woman breaking into their house because they were driving around in the that, candy truck earlier. It happened. It's to, a uh, guy. It's an ice cream truck. It's you know, a guy. Not a candy truck, but it's not a woman. It's a guy. Yeah, guy. <laughs> okay, well, Mikey, you're like crashing like the Kool-Aid man into the ending of the movie. Like, I'm referring to her as a woman because we're going to get into it later. If you want to be cool with okay. man, this thing, you can. But geez. <laughs> it's a guy. Oh, yeah. You, you, you like, can tell right we, off the bat, man. It's, it's, it's like we, it's, Mar- <clears throat> it's Marilyn Manson RuPaul right there. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's not he kind of had that Francis Conroy look going, you know? Yeah. <laughs> to me, it was more Dennis O'Hare from American Horror Story Hotel. With a wig. I think like, that yeah, was, you know, that's the woman that we get. Yeah, it's like you if know, Francis it's, Conroy it's, was playing Cleopatra. <laughs> there you go, yeah. Perfectly said. Um, but we, we get uh, them in the ice cream truck and they get into the house where this gigantic fat man uh, breaks into the house and then just beats the shit out of Pauline and then drags Vera and Beth, you know, towards the basement where they're going to be doing very uh, lascivious and nefarious things with them. You know, rapes, beatings, whatnot. But, you know, Pauline, you know, she might be a little French Canadian woman, but she is full of pissing in the <laughs> Just oh, run yeah, with that fucking Oh, yeah, the mom is badass as fuck. The, 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 yeah, you know, the mom is badass as shit, man. You know, she's like a spider monkey. Off <laughs> the whole mountain dew. <laughs> yeah, she's like, you want to fuck with me? You want to fuck with me? Just say fuck with me? Like, you know, just fucking just nailing this, this man-woman. In the chest. You have to take my daughters. You know, just, just all over the place. Doing more Rage Cage than Rage Cage did in, in the other movie from last week. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know she's yeah, she getting it done so that she care. But yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, she's actually, like, I was happy to see. Oh, go ahead, go. I was happy yeah. to see the fighting back. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. oh, nice. Mm-hmm. You know, like, here we go. We're not going to have a, obviously, we're not going to have, like, the, the male savior characters in here. So, right. you know, in my head, you know, in the early part of this, I'm like, great. You know, at least it's not going to be a movie in which, you know, they're just going to be, they're going to get their asses kicked 
and, and that's that. No, Pauline starts to fight back. And then, I mean, again, during this entire time, I'm looking at this, I know this giant man is down in the basement. So when the, the skinny, the, the, the woman falls, I'm like, holy shit, she actually killed him. Um, and then, then goes down the basement, and I'm like, great, now she's got to fight this fucking behemoth. And then, yeah, like you said, she's like a spider monkey. She's on top of him. She's stabbing the shit out of him. I'm like, wow, look at this. And then the movie goes and, and jumps in time. You know what? It tricked me. I really thought that this was the film that they were going with. I thought we were really in, in reality. Yeah, but this it's, movie, yeah. It's like, the, like you said, with the fight, it was like fucking Wolverine taking on the fucking Incredible Hulk. You know, it's just stabbing the fuck out of everything and whatnot. Um, but, but also, I, I want to say, <laughs> but, but also, I give this movie props because we, everything that was going on in the basement, all that kind of stuff, we knew exactly what was happening to everyone, but they didn't show it. They didn't have to cross that line. Like, and this, and they keep that going throughout the movie. We know exactly where they're going, what they've done and what they've been through, but they don't cross that line of actually having to show it. And they do a really good job of taking you right to the edge where you think you're going to show it to the point where it fucks with your head and gets you so worked up about what the fuck am I about to see. And then they, and just as they, you know, the roller coaster is about to fall, then they pull you back just, just a little bit. You kind of don't yeah, have to they, show it when you have a gigantic mm. character literally pick up a young girl by one leg and sniff her crotch area. You know? Oh man! Like, you're showing all you need to show. Yourself. I don't need oh, to yeah. see anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Because she hit that menstrual cycle, and she couldn't. I uh, just loved it when he picks up on the one leg and just sniff. I'm like, ah, oh, you know, this guy doesn't work out. How did he do that? <laughs> I'm a big guy. I can't hit somebody up by one leg. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you don't know what he does fun. on the weekends. You don't. You don't go to the same gym as him, King. Why he does it? He, <laughs> he lives in a candy truck. Big oh, games, bro. <laughs> 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 he was in a candy truck, so he eats candy, and then he sniffs crotches. So. I don't think he's hitting up uh, the Wow Gym. <laughs> oh, we're going to hit up the gym. We're going to kidnap some girls and tape them. Like, oh, but, yeah, he he didn't want, but, yeah, he definitely didn't want to get his red wings that weekend. <laughs> no, he wasn't interested. But No, it, it, when you cut to adult uh, Beth, it's one of those things where, yeah, you know, it, it kind of works for a little bit where you think, okay, we're in a time jump, and she recovered, and now she has a husband and, and a child. I feel like Pascal kind of dropped the ball a little bit because there's just something not right about the whole thing. Maybe he intended it to be that way, but just the way that she's being interviewed on television, it just seemed off. Like it didn't seem like a natural flowing interview. And then the fact that her son wears Harlequin outfits and he's named Harlequin, uh, it's just it's something where it's like, yeah, it's not – all right, like this is maybe you know it's maybe this isn't reality, maybe it is. They tried their best, and I give them appreciation for that. But there's just some of those missteps where I'm like, you know, are we in reality, or is this one of those alternate reality universes where it's not really happening, but we're led to to believe that? Because once Beth goes home again, I'm like, okay, now we're in reality again. Where it makes sense, you know, the mom is living her life, but her sister's mind fucking shattered. 
that night that the intruders came in, so now she lives in the basement voluntarily. You know, and she voluntarily, you know, goes into, you know, uh, rooms, you know, with padded walls so she doesn't hurt herself. I found that to be really just interesting. You know, this is how mm-hmm. they show her dealing with that trauma. She never recovered. Like, mentally she and broke, she, and now this is where she's at, you know? And the husband and the kid, that was weird with his dressing up and everything. Like, you know, that the, the yeah. dressing up part, I was kind of like, Oh, okay, it's a little odd, but you know, I don't know. Right. It's weird. Um, yeah. What kind yeah, of they are. To clue me <laughs> in was, was the fact that the mom still looked exactly like she looked. Yeah. At that yeah, it time, didn't age at all. You know, and that was kind of like a little bit of a okay. So, so maybe this is where they're going with it. Mm-hmm. And and but they still have the trick. Adult Vera did her job. I mean, adult Vera did a great job, you know, playing this person that lost their mind, you know, that just reality doesn't exist anymore. And when Beth comes home, she's like, they're, they're coming, they're still coming for us and we're not safe. You know, um, when we have the ghostly hands hitting her, where there's like nobody there, but she's getting punched in the face. Like, I, it was really well done. Like, it was really one of those things where she really handles being a psychopath well, you know, somebody that's not with reality. And Beth on the same token trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Like, why is she naked and running around and going, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, you know, put some clothes on, Vera. But no, because Vera is in her own world that you're not a part of. Um, you know, it's just, it, was, it was well to that point. Even when Pauline tells Beth, don't listen to her. Like, don't listen to anything she says. I'll be right back with the ambulance. I'm going to go wait for him down the road. And then, like, when she gets back in, she's gone. And she's out of the blankets, and she's somewhere in the house. It's like, oh, you know, I, I thought it was all handled really well. Where that's when you start to question what the fuck is reality at this point. Yeah, I mean, you're wondering what the hell is going on. That's for sure. I, uh, I, I yeah, you just, again, you yeah. know, like the, the, the one thing that I, uh, you know, obviously would, would <laughs> always have enjoyed more of was of the adult Beth because she was uh, she was quite the stunner. Yeah. A good-looking young lady. Mm-hmm. Crystal Reed is her name. Yeah, yeah. She played Beth yeah. as the Teen Wolf, I should say, Amelia Jones. Yep, that's where she's from. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, she she did she did well in the part, and she looked a lot like her younger counterpart, which I did enjoy. So did um, uh, the young uh, Vera and the adult Vera. They both looked very similar, uh, you know, facial features wise. So it was kind of cool to see that, where you know they looked like the younger counterparts, but. Um, Vera, you know, is, is being beaten and by like a ghostly specter. We don't see the person that's beating her, uh, but this is what leads to Beth having to kind of uh, get back into reality of what the reality of the situation actually is. And that the candy truck woman slash man, as Kool-Aid man monkey uh, said earlier. Uh, it's a man! Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes, the candy truck man woman killed their mother. And as we saw Pauline earlier, going spider monkey and stabbing the shit out of the candy truck woman. Uh, in reality, the candy truck woman is the one that did the same thing to her, Pauline, killing her almost instantly, just stabbing the shit out of her uh, and revealing that uh, it's Beth and Vera being stuck in this basement for a period of time where they're dressed up like dolls and basically the, the fuck dolls for this fat man who lives in his own little world. And uh, it's, it's terrible. It's, it, it's the part of the movie where I really fucking felt bad for, for Beth. 
because she mentally built this world that she's very happy in, where she has a kid and a husband, and she's successful, and she's a writer. And then you have Vera smacking her face going, come back. You got to come back. Stop leaving me. And when she realizes where she is, it's like, well, fuck, you took me out of my perfect reality. <laughs> but then you get to see what she's been doing. She's looking at paintings and seeing, you know, a man and a boy dressed up like a Harlequin and, you know, the woman in an ad that was interviewing her. So it was clever. But also at the same time, I just felt fucking terrible. <laughs> I was like, these poor young girls, you know, mother's dead and they're held captive by two psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just um, again, but but then when they come back around, it's like you know, then you know, it brings up even a darker question of, so how long have they been prisoners here in this house and been subjected to this, you know, day in and day out, you know, where we're not talking days. about, you know, it was days. Yeah, it's been days. Yeah, I'll say days. I don't think it's been months or years. I think it's been days. Because they, they yeah, look exactly the, the same. You don't, you, don't, you don't really know, man. That's the thing. You know, it, it could well, be months now, you know. Nah, to jump, to jump ahead, you got to remember later in the film when the officer uh, radios in, he's talking mm-hmm. about the woman at the, uh, the convenience store. Knowing yep. that they just went up to the aunt's house, so it's it's within a few days. Oh, okay. She read the newspaper in there that you know there was something going on uh, of that nature, where there, you know there were there were these guys killing the parents and you know leaving the uh, the children alive, but but doing things to them. Yeah. Uh, yeah okay. Yeah. 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 I didn't take it for any more than a couple of days because um, they they still look relatively the same, except they're just. Beaten a little bit. Um, the the Kenya truck woman. beaten a lot. You know, <laughs> yeah, they were just fucked up so much, uh, especially when you have the the Kenya truck man woman taking Beth upstairs and dressing her up like a doll, putting in that makeup of all the bruises, like her eyes just all puffed out, and you know, it's just one of those things where now she's being left into this room where she has to pose a certain way, and then you know, here comes Fat Man into the room, checking out his dolls, and he's a mute who doesn't talk. He just makes noises like Leatherface, just a lot of, ooh, 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 you know, those fucking dog noises, uh, you know, as he looks at dolls, uh, touching oh, them, baby. caressing them, lighting their hands on fire, you know, things that you do with dolls. As a, <laughs> you know, you just, you know, you, you try things out, you know, you're just freestyling it. Um, and Beth just hoping she's to God that she's not picked. Sid from Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! Andy doesn't know what that is because you know he doesn't he doesn't watch Disney movies. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm aware of Toy Story and I've seen it. <laughs> I think he knows who Sid is. To see every. I, I don't, no, I don't. I'm just I'm aware there's a movie called Toy Story. So I, I think that's a win. I'll take it as a W. <laughs> I'm aware, you know, so I can don't say, worry. hey, I know that movie exists. Like, it's cool. Don't like, worry, you know, King. You got a friend of me. Toys and <laughs> oh, I was going to go with that one. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. I don't know who Sid is. I, if it's one of the toys, that's cool. I don't know. I just know that. Uh, we'll pick it for yeah. one of our, uh, our horror adjacent 
episodes. This way, uh, you know, we can uh, we, we we can find ways to make you cry, Dave. What the harmony? <laughs> it's like a kid's movie for you. <laughs> oh, I'm not like I said. I I know that there's a cowboy and a spaceman, and that's because I've seen those on TV. That's all I know from Toy Story. Sorry, guys, I failed you again. But uh, I don't know Disney movies that well. I know there's a cowboy and a space guy. And then they have, you know, stuff happens. I don't know. So we'll talk about it. When when do you guys fix it? We'll figure it out. <laughs> I don't know anything about it. But uh, she, uh, Beth, being dressed up like the doll, was picked next. And just having this fat man put his hands all over her, it's it's gross. It's disgusting. It's uncomfortable. It hits all the right notes that you want. And when you're watching this type of fucked up movie. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're just so fucking worried he's going to light her hand on fire. I'm like, oh, please don't. Like, she's cool. Like, you know, just leave her alone. Just, you know, smack her in the it face has, and you know, spit on her or something. I don't know. It has one of, you know, for me anyway, one of those, like, super effective things that, you know, ever since Friday the 13th Part 2. You know, like, obviously, like, I hate to see it, but I love to see it at the same time. An effective piss scene. You know, there's just something about mm-hmm. somebody being so scared that they piss themselves that it kind of just, you know, when, when done correctly, it really adds to the horror of a sequence. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. And it happens, like, oh, my God, she's really fucking pissing herself. I thought she was having her period at first, and I was like, oh, no, she's just pissing. I was like, oh, oh, it's still, either way. Oh, then the still, bears oh, would come. <laughs> Damn you, Paul. <laughs> Yeah, to remind him about the bears. Remember, keep yourselves clean. Oh, Paul from the Friday Thirteenth Part Two. <laughs> he was ahead of his time. He was a happening dude. <laughs> but when this happens, and you know, he she gets thrown down, she decides to fight back and run through the house. And I love the the one doll that they have in the, the little closeted thing that just lights up and just laughs over and over again. And she has to put her hand over the mouth like, shut up, shut up, shut up. Please stop laughing. Oh, the, Please stop laughing. Oh, the, the Chinese mirror box. Yeah, and then the doll pops out. and yeah, just It's effective. It, for me, that works as like that scare technique, you know, where you think that she's being quiet and nothing's going to happen. All of a sudden, the doll's just like, <laughs> like, you know, and it's like, oh, shit. Like, shut the fuck up. Shut, shut up. Like, we're hiding. Don't laugh. <laughs> um, it's it, it a you know, um, but, you know, she manages to escape, uh, you know, with Vera from the house and they make it to the road where they find the state troopers. And that's what the ghoul was saying earlier about the one officer getting on the radio and finding out from the woman that worked at the store that she had seen them, you know, that they were going to the, ah, old, uh, okay. the place by the old aunt's place. And that's what happened. So, you know, it's like, look, be cool. It's going to be fine, guys. We're getting out of here. You know, my cop and my partner will be fine. Oh, what's that? A truck's coming. Oh, it's a candy truck. Well, that's fine. I just I love dumb cops in in harm, especially in harm. <laughs> I love fucking dumb cops, like the expendable ones that are like, oh no, it'll be fine. Hey, what's that? And all of a sudden they're being gunned down and taken out of the fucking movie. It's like you got to wait for like the SWAT team to show up. Like you know when you get the SWAT team, and, they're going to take care of business. These two cops and the are. one, and the one female officer where she was reaching for five minutes to get her damn gun. It's like, it's right there. <laughs> it's right there. 
Yeah, that, that's that's really bad. You have these cops that the don't know what a gun is. You know what I mean? How often do mm. they have to shoot people? Yeah, yeah. You're not expecting that to happen. Like you're just having a good day, yeah. like in the middle of the country, and all of a sudden this fucking huge ass guy is fucking okay. gonna gun you down. The fuck? All right, but you sit there, and, yeah. But you sit there and say they're in the sticks. You're telling me they don't sit there and have quick draw shit all the time because they're in the sticks and they're like, yeah, we got nothing to do. We're just sitting around the station. Let's go ahead and do some no. <laughs> super trooper, super trooper shit. Yeah, Canada like, doesn't believe happy guns. Happy really, over there. They're hunting. Yeah. Yeah, they're not too big on doing uh, six-shooter fucking duels and shit. They just want to eat poutine and fucking talk about Moosehead beer. Like, they don't want to fucking, you know, know what it's like to kill somebody. They're like, hey, buddy, we don't want to kill you, buddy. No, over here, buddy. Like, you know, it's like, no, that's what they do. Like, that's, it's, you know, why they die first, because they just didn't know. They didn't even know they had guns that day. They're like, oh, look, we have guns. <laughs> They forgot they had. They were wearing the two guns at the station. <laughs> well, usually that's where they keep their hash browns. They don't put guns in there. Like, you know, <laughs> What's this? Oh, eh? guns today. Eh? I was gonna put my bear claw in there, but I guess I put my gun in there, eh? <laughs> that's why they were so stunned when they got killed. They just they weren't ready. Like, it was like, you know, it's their first day on the job. You know, all they want to do is go to the hoser hut and drink beers and just talk about hockey. hockey. Yeah. <laughs> and talk about how great Wayne Gretzky's mullet was back in the 80s. But instead, they're going to deal with, like, murderous people. It's a bad day to be a Canadian cop. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> but they get taken out, and the girls get recaptured and brought back to the house, so... Best decides, all right, I'm out of here. Mentally checks out and goes to a loft party where her mom's there looking good, going with the salt and pepper haired guy, like, hey, guy. Like, What's up, buddy? Hey, guy. Like, you know, they're back and forth as they have. Um, and then this is where Beth you, sits down and she's like, there's my husband in the exact same fucking clothes, and there's my kid in the exact same fucking costume. I'm believing it. And then Robert Zadar shows up as fucking H.P. Lovecraft. It's not actually Robert Zadar, but the guy's fucking face is gigantic. I was like, I'm sorry. I know you're trying to make him look like H.P. Lovecraft, but holy shit. (laughs) His head wasn't that big. Did they really think he looked like a fucking mutant? Like, why was this funny? It looked like a sad potato. Then he just shows up, and he's just like, hey, uh, you call me whatever you want, because I'm H.P. Lovecraft, and I liked your book. Best thing I ever read. And she's like, oh, my God, I'm so fucking wet right now talking to H.P. Lovecraft. And he's like, I do that a lot. <laughs> anyway, see you later. And like, oh, okay. I was like, oh, wait a second. Wasn't he from, like, the Wingling, Boston area? He should have had an accent. He should have had, like, a Boston accent. Like, I fucking read your book. It was so fucking good. Like, I'm serious with you. You need to fucking write more books. Like, I was like, whoa. You write better than me, and I'm fucking H.P. Lovecraft. Your book was fucking tit. <laughs> so here's the thing. I think they were trying. I think the director was trying to go artistic here with Lovecraft. Maybe. Um, Maybe. Meaning, basically, what he was trying to do was show how large of a figure he was to her as a character. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Lovecraft was like, you know, in real life, Lovecraft was my height. He was five foot ten. He wasn't like a large guy. It wasn't anything huge. No. The actress in question here is five foot eight. So mm-hmm. she's not short by any, like, you know what I mean? It's not even a case in which they put a short actress up against a person that was five foot ten or six foot to make it. Like, this guy really looks like he's like six foot five, six foot six. And, like, yeah, he looks like yeah. he, could be, he could walk out of this party and go wrestle in the WWE or maybe, like, you know, maybe one of the, maybe like an NXT match or something, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I will get you this time. Um, <laughs> H.P. Uh, Lovecraft the Giant H.P. Lovecraft the Giant um, <laughs> I think the idea And again through his dialogue and, and everything else I think the idea is that we're supposed to realize How important he is to her um, and, and that's why he looms so large In this scene yeah, and it, it's fine. Like I said, I, I don't have a problem with it being H.P. Lovecraft. I didn't have a problem with her being inspired by him. Obviously, the guy's been dead for a long time. It's free. Use it. But when that fucking guy with that melted potato face showed up, I was like, is that what he thinks H.P. Lovecraft looks like? Because she has a framed photo of the guy. And this guy shows up <laughs> looking like a Play-Doh model that a five-year-old made. I was like, that is not H.P. Lovecraft. I was like, but I mean, I'll take it. It's in this movie because the next thing you see is Vera going, oh, my fucking God, we're dying. Can you wake up, please? Like, we are literally <laughs> being raped to death. In reality, can you please snap out of it? Tell HP you'll be right back. Like, oh, excuse me, Howard, hold my drink. <laughs> I have to go save my sister from being throat fucked to death. Like, you know, I mean, <laughs> because the fat man is, like, trying to kill her and just do a lot of nasty things. And it's like... This, I wanted to see the fat guy just get his comeuppance in a lot more violent of a way. Like, the girls take turns fucking cutting off his arms and so Like, there's something violent absurd. Because Pascal Logier can do it. I mean, if you watch Martyrs, he goes out there with his violence. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of hoping that level would happen, and it kind of didn't. But it was just only a matter of time before they were going to get their comeuppance. I just didn't think it was going to be the one Canadian cop that duty on day he had a gun. Like, the one guy that was like, I actually do have a gun. I know how it works. I did my training class, and I'm taking out the psychopath. Um, Certified. That, that, <laughs> that was one problem I did have with this movie was, you know, this movie, this throughout here has been about their struggle and what they've been through together and them being strong, strong women trying to get through this. And I didn't like the idea of a man coming in and saving them. This should have been them saving themselves, and then maybe the cops showing, you know, them working their way out of the house and the cops being there. I didn't like the idea of a man coming in there and, you know, rescuing the the women. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's the woodsman theory from Red Riding Hood, you know, where the girl's in distress and the woodsman needs to come in with his axe and take out the killer. Like I said, I think it would have been a much better effective ending if the girls had just fucking tag-teamed it. And destroyed him. But, you know, we didn't get that. Go ahead, Gould. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, you know, ultimately what it ends up doing is it just makes it about being survival for the girls. You know, they, they are no longer like an active part of their, their escape. You know, all they did was survive long enough to be rescued by somebody else. Yeah, that's, <clears throat> that's pretty much it. Um, which is, like I said, I, I mean, I get it. And, you know, that's a good point to make. I just, I don't know. I'm kind of with the monkey on that, where I wanted to see them 
you know, not become like badass killers of, of violent people, but to really kind of reach down to that, that uh, feral place where it's fight or flight and they've had enough. Like she could have taken that typewriter and just turned the fat man's head into jelly. And I would have been happy. I'm like, just bash it over and over again on this guy's skull. It would have been cool. It would have been awesome. But again, like you said, well, you don't want to make Beth the, the badass. It's just, it's just surviving until somebody comes along. So it makes more sense to have her attack the fat man, but not kill him. Same way as the, the candy truck woman man uh, gets a, uh, Shot it's by a man, baby. Well. <laughs> <laughs> when she tries to attack the trooper, she gets shot as well. And then the wig falls off, and you're like, oh, shit, it was a man. No, Monkey figured it out within the first five minutes. So if you're surprised at this point, yeah, Monkey's like, nah, I figured it out. Totally. Dude, man. I watched RuPaul's Figure Drag Race. <laughs> yeah, I knew that I was a man the entire time. I mean, Hell that's yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> Then we get the aftermath of the police leading Vera and Beth down the stairs and the stretchers. Um, you know, they're, they're going to make it. They're going to live another day. So they kind of share that, that glance at each other, like, you know, we, we made it. We did it. Please don't slip back into your alternate reality, Beth, because we're going to be fine. Um, we see the broken typewriter on the ground that she had used to, to battle against the fat men again. I wish she had just put it through a skull. thought that would have been great, but maybe they didn't have the money. You know, maybe they didn't have the money in the budget, but. Either way, yeah, that typewriter is destroyed. Yeah. Yep. I was expecting, or you know, you know, maybe in a way, kind of dreading, hoping all at once that this was going to be another fantasy, and that ultimately the movie was going to end on a down note, and it was going to turn out that you know this was her rescue fantasy that she had, you know, Mm. similar to Forty Seven Meters Below where they did that whole oh, deal yeah. with, uh, with exactly. them. You know, th- there was something that was recent that did that. You know, and I, and I enjoyed it with that, too. You know, again, two sisters, you know, stuck in a real shitty situation. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm so, one of them should have died. You know, the fact that both the girls survived yeah. this, you know, it, ultimately one of them needed to sacrifice himself to save the other. Yeah, that... Um... There was a movie that came out uh, a couple of years ago called The Tale of Two Sisters. Um, I think it was a South Korean film. And then the remake came out a couple of years after that with Emily Browning from Sucker Punch called The Uninvited um, that plays on those themes. So I think if you're looking for something like that, I think you would like The Uninvited um, or even the original uh, Tale of Two Sisters uh, where it plays on that type of uh, thing where is one of them dead or are they both dead? You know, I mean, it, it, it's really good. <clears throat> but I kind of like the fact that they both survived. You know, they both lived uh, to see another day because that's what they are, the survivors. You know, they're going to make it. And uh, maybe Beth could be a model, but no, she writes. Like, oh, okay, that's cool. And to kind of go okay. out on that closing line of how she writes, and, <laughs> you know. Or, you know, if you wanted to go like the House of Thousand Corpses route, you know, you have them being saved and all of a sudden, Otis shows up and then she wakes up and she's still in Dr. Satan's playground. I still like the way that <laughs> It's a bad movie, but I like the ending of House of the Corpses because it makes you think she's safe and she's not. She's right back in the, mm-hmm. the doctor's office. Dr. Satan, like, you know, 
And right back in hell. Doing it there, Roger? Yeah, and then you're yeah. like, oh, God, when in the fuck is this movie going to end? Because <laughs> yeah. you think there's going to be an extra 15 minutes tacked on, but no, it's actually the ending of it. I mean, no. Like I said, I mean, that, it's, just, it's another one of those movies that has that ending. Like we talked about, alternate reality movies. Um, also, like the, the They Were Dead the Entire Time movies, where you see that trope a lot of times, where it's like they spent the entire movie walking around, and all of a sudden they find out they're dead at the end. You know? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, I do enjoy them from time to time. I think that they're fun. You know, it's, it's just one of those things where if the twist is good, I'm on it. I. I like this movie. I just happen to think that Martyrs is, is the better of uh, Pascal Laugier's uh, uh, filmography. So if you guys haven't seen Martyrs, uh, definitely worth checking out. I know it's available on Tubi for free. I think it's right a now. weird Hopefully one, the Yeah. Um, it is weird, but it's also just it, – it goes a little bit farther if you're looking for more blood and you're looking for more gore. And I think Martyrs uh, is the way to be. You know, with that, uh, this one light on gore, but great on story, and uh, keeping you kind of confused as to what reality is and what what fiction is. So, you know, it's it's worth a watch. So I would say, you know, Gal, you're wrong. I didn't hate it. Uh, none of us hated it. We all liked it. So, good on you. Yeah, friend. really, really good, solid pick, man. So, see, you know, she she did great. So, <laughs> you have to be make sure that you tell the Gal. Uh, so next week, the Dean will be back, but he uh, did not give us his pick, uh, as he said oh, he did. So we are without a Dean pick for next week. To. I'm sure he'll let us know at some point. It's going to be something from France or South Korea. Um, you know, and it's going to be dubbed. <laughs> he, he, so, he's expanding his horizons. He, well, cause, no, he, he likes things from South Korea. He likes things from Japan, France, uh, Canada, but not like regular Canada, but like the far French Canadian Canada where they don't speak a lick of English. You got to have a lot of subtitles. So yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. We'll figure out what he's going to pick for next week. So stay tuned for that announcement on Monday, as I always make the announcements on the talking terror Facebook page. So, all right. So monkey, thank you so much for joining us for incident in the ghost land. We'll see you back here next week. All right. Thanks for listening to tonight's episode of talking terror. Good night, everybody. Mwah. <laughs> All right, why don't you go ahead and sign yourself off, Ghoul? Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. And as for me, your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G., I just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of the show. Hail Satan, hail yourselves, hail Odorous. Keep America strong. Watch horror movies.